The Athletic. Hello, welcome back to 1874 on The Athletic, a podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. I'm Dan Bardell, joined by Greg Evans, The Athletic's Aston Villa reporter. And just before we start, you can subscribe to The Athletic UK right now for a special price of just $3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football riders around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts, including this one. So go to theathletic.com slash villapod to take advantage of this special discount. That's theathletic.com slash villapod for 40% off. Morning, Greg. Good morning, Dan. Nice away day for Villa yesterday. Great win, great performance. It's something that we've kind of felt we needed, actually, to be fair, isn't it? It's because performances haven't really been there recently. So to to go to one of the so-called big six and have a performance like that is very refreshing. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a nice summary of it, really, Dan, to be honest. Um, Villa have picked up points against four of the more familiarly known top six this season, um, which I think is good progress. I think if you look at the amount of wins and, and defeats, you know, it's 15 wins, 15 defeats, seven draws. I think that's, again, good progress and shows that Dean Smith has got it right more times than he's got it wrong, even though, you know, it's it's very even. We, we obviously knew Villa were going to drop points at some stage this season. So I think Smith, who has come under a little bit of criticism at times this um, these last few months, has got it right a lot of the times. Um, and I think that was a performance Villa really needed, wasn't it? With the fans back and, and ahead of fans returning to Villa Park. They needed something to um, keep the momentum swinging in, in their direction. And uh, I, th- I think they got it up down in Tottenham. You know what? I actually thought the Spurs fans being back and the way they were, I really thought it played into Villa's hands because... They were, they were antsy Spurs. Obviously, there's been a lot going on at the football club in, in the last few months. They're, the Spurs fans are visibly frustrated. They've got the Harry Kane thing going on as well. They're, they're upset with the Super League and Daniel Levy. And the performance wasn't good f- from Spurs. And I think the fans actually being there and the way they were reacting to things, I think it affected players like Harry Winks, Eric Dyer. I think it played into Villa's hands and Villa, Villa were able to put them under pressure and work the crowd against them. Yeah, and uh, Regulon as well. It must have affected him because he was—he had a shocker, didn't he? Yeah, um, really but, bad. But, but yeah, we, it was not a good performance from Spurs at all. They're—they're they're in a really difficult moment. It's you know, it's probably Daniel Levy's biggest sort of summer almost, isn't it? The fact that Harry Kane's going, or or expect, you're certainly expected to go. Um, they haven't got a manager. Uh, there needs to be a big rebuild around the squad that, you know, they're struggling. They're probably not going to get into the European places. And, you know, it's it's it, certainly not against the Champions League. And it's it's been a really poor season for them. Um, and yeah, Villa went there and took advantage there. It hasn't really been a happy hunting ground, has it? That that area of London in, in recent, well, in, in a long time, really. So um, for Villa to go, and, to go there and get the win was very impressive. And it, it was just what they needed. It was right at the right time because... It means that they now go into Sunday, the game against Chelsea with the fans back, you know, buoyed really by the season and, and, and the most recent performance. And then obviously there's there's the Youth Cup final on, on Monday as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to both games at Villa Park. I think it's, it's going to be excellent having the fans back. And as, as poor as Spurs were, Villa were really good. Did a lot of things really, really well, Greg, and responded well to some adversity as well because... 
the first goal was a, a bit of an individual error. He was he was one of them goals when a camber's got got the ball nicked from him and he, he probably could have recovered, probably should have just should have just fouled Bergwijn, but but didn't do it. The ball's bobbling around and he he slammed it home to be fair. It was a really, really good finish. And then should have had an absolute stonewall penalty as well. God knows what VAR were playing on the screens. I, I mean, I'd give up with Stockley Park. I haven't got a clue what goes on there. But the response to both those things was really good from Villa. And Villa's pressing game was excellent, I thought. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we almost seen a, re- a return of their pressing, which, you know, it yes. dro- dropped off in recent weeks, certainly, and months even. Um, now, I'm not sure if that was... Uh, deliberate, the fact that maybe Dean Smith had, had not asked them to press as high and, and as regular. But, you know, last night there was certainly a difference. Um, I think for the first goal, I think, yeah, Nick Campbell was obviously at fault, but also Courtney Hawes needed to do better with the with the clearance. I think he just tried to kind of dink it over, didn't he? And, um, you know, there wasn't much conviction on it. Tottenham intercepted and, and then obviously Bergwijn pulled the ball away from the camber and scored. So, yeah, that, that was a good goal, but very disappointing one from Villa, from Villa's point of view to concede. But Dean Smith spoke about the reaction after the game. And I thought at that point Villa were in a were in a bad moment. I thought that mm. they were going to crumble because of the, you know, the 3-2 defeat to Palace. The fact that they'd conceded early, I was concerned for them. But they showed that they have still got that grit and that determination and that resolve that we've seen so often in in the in the opening months of the season um and yeah i mean look you know looking back now it was a, it was a really good win and and the fact that they actually got into the lead and were able to hold on to it for a long time as well and yeah i mean look that to to address your question about the watkins penalty it was just a joke and i mean it it's getting ridiculous now i'm 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 almost glad the season's coming towards an end because i really hope during the summer they'll have a closer look at you know var and and some of these decisions that are just you just don't know what's a penalty anymore what's a foul what's a handball what's you know what, what even off what's offside i watched um i watched the following game after after villa last night you know west brom versus um, West Ham and, and and again there was a there was an off there was a you know really marginal offside that that looked offside but wasn't. Um, I just think there needs to be a, a real closer look at everything and and um, get a bit more clarity on things because Dean Smith for starters as well as lots of the fans watching on are just losing the patience with it all. I can almost deal with the offsides. I don't like it, but it's the same for everyone because the lines are drawn for everyone. They're exactly the same probably every team gets done by that, you know, through the season, but the penalty calls are so subjective. And then it just goes to another layer of subjectiveness in VAR as well. There's no benefit to VAR being there at that point because they've, they're not going to overturn that decision. If the referee's adamant, it's not a penalty, but I'm not sure what the referee's seen because he's piled straight through him. And I saw him, the referee mouth, the ball was going out of play mm. or the ball's out of play, but it's absolutely irrelevant because when he clatters him, the ball isn't out of play. And is it really, was it any different to the Harry Kane, Matty Cash one? I mean, Matt, Harry Kane actually instigated the contact in that game. Watkins didn't even instigate the contact. Lloris has just piled through him. It was so, so clumsy. I mean, I thought he was pretty suspect yesterday as well. But it just seems that the, the, the decisions just go for the so-called bigger team all the time in a moment like that. Because you know, Manchester United have had to get all kinds of penalties. You're telling me that they wouldn't have got a penalty for that? Yeah, look, you know, it certainly feels that they that the that the decisions go in favour of the bigger clubs. You know, we, we've said that year after year, haven't we? You know, we're going to watch games. VAR think, doesn't change that. Uh, no, I know, and 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 I've been to Old Trafford many times, and and there's been debatable decisions, but you know, whether that will ever change, I, I don't know. But I think the cash 
and Kane incident was more of a penalty for me. But I just think that uh, I think why the I think the reason the referee hasn't given the Watkins penalties because he thinks the ball's going out and that Watkins isn't going to get it. But as you say. That that's irrelevant because when Lloris clatters into Watkins, the ball's still in play. Whether he was going to get it or not, I don't know. But it, that shouldn't be taken into play because it is a foul and it is a penalty. If it was done in any other area of the pitch, it'd have been yeah. it, it'd have been a foul. So look, you know, it, it's frustrating. But fortunately, on this occasion, Villa, you know, it wasn't. Um, you know, it didn't affect Villa because they managed to get the the goals elsewhere. But there have been occasions this season where incidents like that have gone against Villa, and it just feels like. You know, it feels like it happens at Villa a lot, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I sat on my sofa genuinely laughing now. It's got to the point where I'm, I'm laughing at, th- at things. I mean, I, it does kind of feel like justice was served with the own goal because it's a horrific own goal. But for me, that, that was justice for the penalty. I mean, I've got no idea what Regulon's trying to do. But like you say, the, the response was good. Villa were forcing mistakes from Spurs. Villa were playing with an intensity that we haven't maybe seen in in the last few months. Do you think Nakamba had, some, had something to do with that in midfield now? He amazes me because I think he does some really good things defensively. But on the ball, you know how Jack Grealish makes the, the, the difficult things look so easy? On the ball, Nakamba makes the simple things look like the most difficult things in the world sometimes. But there's something about him being in that team that seems to work because we've got a good record when he's played next to McGinn. Villa, you know, have won games. I think he won a game next to Louise against Newcastle as well. So when Nakamba's come in, we've, we've done well. And there is something to be said for having a designated defensive midfielder. I think there's stuff Nakamba can work on. But when he's there, we, we do look better in that midfield area, I've got to be honest. Yeah, no, I went into a lot more detail on this in, in, in the story that i written today. So um, I haven't seen it, so that's good. Yeah, the, the listeners can, can read that in, in a lot more detail of and my thoughts of what I thought on that. And, and, and just very briefly, I mentioned that, that Dean Smith almost stumbled upon what I believe now he's Villa's best team, uh, certainly for for the for the end of this season. Anyway, um, last night I think while and, and my reasons for that and the reason why I say stumbled is because one Matty Cash is injured and he hasn't really done anything wrong this season, so I'd probably still have him in my starting lineup for most of the games. But Ezri Konza at right back he's starting to look like a real force, and when he's played there at times before, he's done a job for Villa. So I was just pondering. Maybe it's worth having Ezri Konza as, as a right back with um, another centre-half in there against the real big teams because the way Konza kept on quiet was so impressive last night. And I just think that, um, you know, I, I really liked the look of that back four and I think it was really solid. And I think a lot of Tottenham's struggles were down to the fact that Villa was so solid defensively. And then obviously, as you mentioned, Nakamba is in there. And I think it's there's no coincidence that John McGinn's had his best game for a long time. Yeah, McGinn was brilliant. Because Nakamba's next to him. And 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 it takes away the responsibility that that he has defensively. I think see I think privately he will know that Louise is not as strong defensively as say Nakamba. So when he's playing as a sitter alongside Louise, he has to cover more ground for him. He has to get himself in positions that doesn't allow him to flourish and get forward as often as he was last night. And I think with Nakamba, positionally, he's great and he offers the defence that support, which then in turn gives McGinn the freedom to, to do what he did last night. And what you seen last night was not only McGinn winning tackles again and um, breaking up play in, in dangerous areas of the pitch and also being very creative with his passing, 
you actually seen him getting forward a lot more and, and, mm. and starting off attacks and creating attacks. Um, and look, and, and I've no doubt that that obviously Jack Grealish's influence in there as well plays a part because he occupies defenders and, and frees up space for those around him. So that's why I say, you know, it feels like stumbled is almost the wrong word because it feels like you're giving Dean Smith a, a disservice there. But if Mings hadn't have been injured against Crystal Palace, Hawes wouldn't have come in and he wouldn't have lost all that rustiness against Crystal Palace and then therefore been a lot sharper against Tottenham, for example. So there were just a few things that fell into place, but I feel like that's Villa's strongest team. And if, if I was the manager picking it, I'd pick exactly the same team on Sunday. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. I was going to say, do you think you'll be the same back forward Sunday now? Elmo won't get a farewell game. Uh, I mean, no, because look, you know, every point is 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 important in the Premier League. I think Elmo will be on the bench, and he'll probably come on and uh, and uh, you know get the get the opportunity of, of a stand innovation or you know at least a goodbye um, from the Villa Park crowd. But I think you've got to stick with your best team because mm. Villa, if Villa do go and beat Chelsea, for example, they've they've gone from. Been on 49 points uh, with, with with supporters thinking, oh, do you know what? We haven't finished the season very well, actually. And, you know, there are actually more questions that need to be answered than have been answered going into next season. To now potentially finishing on 55 points, which is an incredible achievement. Yeah, when you look at the points tally from last year, and I mean, Villa are actually playing against one of the one of the only teams that will have something left to play for in, in the last way. I mean, Villa are finishing 11th. Bar an absolutely wild game at Villa Park, like the, like the Liverpool game at, at the start of the season, I and mean, Villa are going to finish eleventh, but Chelsea are pushing. I actually think Conor Ryback will be helpful in that game as well. Werner likes to play out to the le- the left, doesn't he? And pace is one thing that Elmo struggled to deal with in the you know a few times he's coming in the second half of the season. I think he's been exposed a little bit with with players with pace. I think the extra pace of Conor at right back helps. Hawes is no slouch as well. I, I thought I think Hawes has actually had a really good season. I think about when you think about players coming in for the game here and there I think Hawes has done nothing wrong when he's coming in has been really strong and he's turned into a, a very fine third choice centre half for Aston Villa so I think he deserves a lot of credit as well for his performances you've touched on Jack there I thought first half even at 50-60% match fitness I thought he was brilliant he, he causes so much problems and he makes everyone else in that Villa team better they up their game when Jack Grealish is, is on the pitch. It's no coincidence that he's there and players just look more at it. They they look sharper and Jack was great in that, in that first half. And to be fair, he was great for the, the 70 minutes that, that he was on the pitch. And even just seeing his name on the team sheet before the game, Greg, it, it gives you a lift. You think Villa have got a chance 
chance today. We got a chance to go and do something. And the players and the coaching staff will feel that as well, won't they? Yes, yeah, certainly. Look, he, he gives Villa that extra spark, doesn't he? And um, although I didn't think he was on top of his game, you know, at the very top of his game, as we've seen, still feel like he's a little bit nervous potentially because of how long he's been out. He can't um, seem to run full tilt, can he? Even the times when he was carrying mm-hmm. the ball, and I was feeling he was just slowing it down a bit. But that'll come with repetition and, and playing games. Yeah. Look, I mean, you know, it might it might work totally in England's favour, I and mean, we, we might get we might see Jack Grealish at the Euros at, at full speed again because of these last few games um, for Villa. But yeah, look, he, he makes a difference, doesn't he? And he and he creates space for others around him. Um, and look, it's, again, it's no coincidence that Villa had twenty chances yesterday. They had twenty shots on goal. That was the most they've had away from home all season which, you know, is quite incredible. And the fact that it it corresponds at the time when Grealish comes back and starts for the first time, it's no coincidence, is it? So Villa are much better with him. And it's just, it's just a real shame that he missed so long of this season because I'm convinced if he had been around or had been available for the whole of the season, Villa would be going into tomorrow, uh, Sunday's game with Chelsea with the chance of European football, if not already secured. Yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? I mean, you can say what you want about the, the mini collapse in the second half of the season, but Jack Grealish is a world-class talent. Any team would miss him if, if he wasn't playing. And it's just such a shame that, that he was out for so long, even if he just missed three or four games, you know, you could, you could have dealt with that. But for him to be out for basically a third of the season... Has really, really cost Villa. And yesterday was more like the Villa from the first half of the season that, that we saw. And a man who's been a massive part of the whole season, Ollie Watkins, gets the gets the winner. Defenders can't live with him because he does a lot of things that other strikers don't do. Just because he works hard and he ne- never gives up on anything. He scored so many goals just off the back of, of pressing and forcing a mistake from the opposition. And he's been an incredible sign and, and he'll be very unlucky. He probably won't get player of the season. It'd be very unlucky because he's transformed Villa's attack. He's been brilliant and very unfortunate not to have played every minute in the entire season. Really, that you know, oh, the, yeah. the, the two yellow cards I think were, were like controversial at least, uh, to say the least. So he'll be disappointed with that. And 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 Dean Smith said something actually yesterday in, in the press conference after which kind of made me you know think, wow, it's, it's the fact that these new players, their families haven't even been to Villa Park to watch mm. them play yet. And you think of what Ollie Watkins has done and you think of his journey, you know, all the way through the leagues. It's 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 well told now, obviously, because he's played for England, but his family will be there on Sunday to watch him for the first time and, and think of what he's achieved for Villa this season. Yes, he came in as the record signing, um, so a lot was expected of him, but he'd never played a minute of Premier League football and he settled in with ease. I mean, the word pesty is probably the best way to describe him. You'd hate to be playing against him. Um, and with Mason Greenwood's sort of emergence or re-emergence in, in this second half of the season, the focus has been taken off Watkins a little bit. And he, he probably won't go to the Euros, no, but he's going to be very, very unlucky not to because in any other season he would have gone because he's had a great season. He scored a lot of goals. Um yeah, you know, and um, and and Smith is right when he says he's the best pressing foot forward in the division. There's no one better than him. Yeah, and he's going to be around the England setup in the next few years. That's that's for absolute certain because he's going to keep progressing as a footballer as well. He's going to get a better season on season, and the 28 million pounds or whatever it was seems an absolute bargain now. People were questioning that at the start of the season. Not Villa fans, but football fans in general were questioning that fee at the start of the season. It's been been money well spent, and I got to say, being back in the ground on Sunday. 
he's the one I'm most excited to watch. I'm really excited to see him in the flesh because you don't get the the full full view of what a player's like from from watching on TV. You can only get that from being at the games and to have not seen these players play yet in in the flesh. Some of them is just absolutely incredible, and it's going to be great for them as well. I, I interviewed Ollie Watkins a few weeks ago, and he was buzzing to be able to play in front of the Villa Park crowd. And even though it's only 10,000 on Sunday, I know there's going to be a great amount of noise. It's going to be a really emotional day for, for the players and the fans. And I, I really think it's going to make a difference for Villa as well in a positive way, Greg. Yeah, I think so. Because we, we've seen Villa Park turn in the opposite direction, haven't we, in years gone by. But Villa are not in that place at the moment. They're in a good place. They've had a good season. The fans are desperate to get back. The fans want to be there. They want to sing and, and praise that you know Dean Smith and, and, the, and, the, and the new players. And, and the current players um, it'll be a happy place Villa Park and, and the atmosphere yeah. will be electric I'm, I'm sure even though we've just 10,000 in there it, it will be it will be electric because um, you know other stadiums have, have already been like it as well yeah you can see it's made a difference to some of the other games I thought the cup final was excellent but I thought just it was excellent watch, because fans were back yeah you, exactly just, they're better to watch on TV I mean like I've actually found myself I found myself in, in, in months gone by almost getting a little bit bored of football in other games in, in, in other um, a bit with, with other teams because I'm watching distracted it on thinking, your phone it's on every yeah, you know, it's on every yeah. day. There's a, there's a game on every day, two or three games sometimes. And you just think, I found myself towards the end selecting games that I wanted to watch that I thought, oh, there'll be, there'll be a lot of goals in that one or that's an important game. Whereas, you know, before I would watch every game that was on TV, whether it was Burnley versus Palace or, or, or Man United versus Liverpool, you know, I, I enjoyed every game. And what I found in, just in this last week with, with fans returning and yeah, as you mentioned, the cup final, um, they're so much more enjoyable to watch again because there's actual excitement again. Yeah, it feels like it's injected an intensity that that, that wasn't there. I mean, when Tillemann scored, I actually felt reasonably emotional. I've got I'll, fair play, <laughs> fair play to Leicester. Like I like Leicester. I think they've done done really well. I think Brendan Rodgers is a fantastic manager, and fair play to them for for winning the FA Cup. You know, I, I wanted them to win. The way the, the fans and the, and the players were on the pitch on, on Saturday, I wanted Leicester to win that and see that game out. And the, the scenes at the end with the fans and the and the owners, you know, it's really not nice to see that again because football has missed that. We've been lucky to, mm. that in these times we've been able to watch so much football, but it hasn't been the same. And to be able to go again now is just absolutely huge to so many people and will make a massive difference to, to so many people's lives. I know that there's more important things than football, but for a lot of people, you know, football saves their life, football's their routine, and it, it's going to be brilliant to, to have people back again and I'm really looking forward to Sunday. Second half, Greg, Spurs probably had a ten, first 10, 15 minutes of the half day. They started to play with a bit of intensity. I mean, Martinez has, has made a couple of saves, but it became one of those games where you thought Villa haven't killed this. They've had chances and they've not killed it. They're going to get caught late, but they didn't. <laughs> Suddenly they started bringing on the, the academy in the last five or six minutes as well. And you're thinking, wow, this is like a game Villa are trying to hold on in. And you've got two, two academy prospects coming on for their first taste of Premier League football. They didn't look out of place at all. They actually contributed heavily to Villa keeping the ball and, and seeing out the game. And Carney Chupamaker, he's, he's even nearly scored, hasn't he? Yeah, I've done I've done lengthy profiles on, on the two of them, um, both Jade and, and Carney. You know, I've, I've followed their journey over the last couple of years. Um there's, look, there's, there's, there's huge hype around Carney. He, he's going to be a very good player. Um, he, he could save Villa, you know, literally millions and millions of pounds by, 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 the, by the way he's developing and progressing now. And and look, he was the he was the fourth youngest player in the in the Premier League this season. And 
And, you know, I mean, he's just got so much ahead of him and he makes the game look so easy. Um, he's almost got that sort of languid style, but it's just because he's so comfortable on a football pitch and he's, what, 17 years old and 212 days, I think it is now. So um, he's not even a man yet. And 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 he, there he is playing at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, almost scoring, um, coming up against it, you know, the European Cup finalists of, of a couple of seasons ago. And just making football look so easy. It's 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 a it's really exciting time for Villa. Um, obviously, Jade and Philogene Bidace is a little bit older. He's nineteen years old. Um, completely different player. Plays on the wing. Um, I think he's still got a bit of developing to do. You know, he, he's very small. He's very slight. But yeah, I was clearly, surprised how small he was. Yeah, you know, he, clearly he he's got something about him because Dean Smith wouldn't be putting him there if he wasn't. So. What Villa have managed to do is keep both of those players at the football club and they they both of the two of them were offered, you know, deals to go and play multiple different options to go and play on the continent and go straight into their first team. You know, again, at big clubs as well in Italy and, and Germany, um, but Villa managed to keep them and, and the promise that Villa gave them was that if you stick around... Then, then we'll give you a pathway into the first team, and that's what they showed last night. Maybe it came a little bit late in the season. I feel like, I feel like you know, Carney should have been introduced a little bit earlier because he's going to be a you know really big talent, hopefully for Villa in the future. But look, they've both made the debut now, and it's just the start. And and I'm looking forward to seeing Carney in the Youth Cup final as well. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. I was thinking about Carney, and actually the FA Cup run, the youth cup run, has actually worked against him playing in the first team, really, because he'll need to play in those youth cup games, and Villa Wall have wanted him to play in those youth cup games. And the way the scheduling's been at the moment, with there being so many midweek games and just so many games in general, the fact that he's had to play in those games worked against him with the first team I think so actually I think there's been reasons he hasn't played but do you think those two will be in the first team squad next season? Uh, yeah I think they will yeah um, I think look, they're going to be in and around it yeah I, I think Carney is a player that wouldn't necessarily benefit from a loan spell because I do think he's ready yeah. but I think Philogene Bidace I think potentially could go out to you know the championship club maybe even league one go and get lots of goals or, or, or create lots of goals. Maybe the first half of the season, go and spend somewhere um, August till till January in a similar way to that maybe Harvey Barnes did at, at West Brom. Mm. Um, and, and I think Barnsley before that, wasn't it? So 
he's a late developer. He's going to be a late bloomer because of his sort of upbringing. He, 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 he moved around a few academies when he was younger and, and then went to another academy in London, but he hasn't had that, um, that real academy sort of club upbringing. So, you know, he might be a year or two behind potentially some of the others, but a very big talent and um, a loan spell for him, I think will help. And we're almost maybe at the stage of, of, of debating whether Jacob Ramsey would be better going out on loan as well and getting another, maybe a championship six months under his belt, because as much as I like him, I feel like, his performances, he hasn't had that, he still hasn't had that like standout performance, which makes you think, um, yeah, you know, he, he, he really is ready. I think a lot of his work goes unnoticed. I think when he comes on for like the last 15, 20 minutes, um, he, he, he gives Villa more energy. Positionally, he's great. Um, he covers a lot of space and, and, and he sort of blocks runners and, and and does that job defensively but when he's on the ball for me he's just been a little bit too safe in, in yeah he doesn't in, assert himself as much as you want him to at times yeah and you know coming through the the youth teams he played as a number 10 and, and scored a lot of goals got a lot of assists created chances was getting his shots off just I haven't seen that in the first team yet I mean it's difficult because I can imagine what he's feeling. He doesn't want to put a foot wrong but hmm. he just needs to be a bit more expressive and and, and maybe a loan spell might help him. Yeah, I still, I mean, Dan Smith knows a hell of a lot more about football than me, but to me, he doesn't look like a number 10, those things that you described in the, that he did in the in the youth teams and whatever, that getting the shots away and passing. I've not seen that at all. I think his best moments have come when he's playing deep because he uses the ball well. He's got good physique. He kind of glides when he when he's on it a little bit. But to me, he's, he looks more of a deep, a six or an eight than, than a number 10. I just, I, I, from what I've seen, I've kind of felt like he, he's not got enough about him to be a number 10. You think of Carney and the, the way his game is, you think, yeah, he's, he's a number 10. He's got he's got all the bits that you need to, to be a really good number 10. For me, Jacob's a good, great player, but he's a six or an eight, never a 10. It's interesting. It's, he's still finding his way, isn't he? Because he's, he's played six, eight and 10 for the first team at various times now. So he's finding his way. He needs to really nail down the position of, of, of what he is, what he wants to be, and then and then kick on when he gets that chance. Let's just talk a little bit about the Youth Cup game then, because that's going to be a great occasion for Villa. Has it been 10 or so years, over a decade since Villa's, Villa's under-18s have, have made the Youth Cup final? So it's going to be another special night at Villa Park. There's going to be going to be 4,000 odd, 5,000 fans in there as well. It's going to be a great occasion. And that team has dismantled some, some good youth setups on their way through to the final. And now they come up against Liverpool, Greg. Yeah, I mean, look, these guys have been an absolute delight to watch. I've, I've really, really enjoyed every round. I've, I've watched all of the rounds, absolutely smashed Burton 9-0. Um, I went up to Newcastle and they, and they beat them 6-1, obviously beat West Brom by four last week. Um, they're a really exciting bunch. I, you know, I can go through the whole team and, 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 and pick out bits that I like about all of them. Um, good defensively, really fun in midfield. Yeah, midfield's great. At times, the six of them attacking, you know, on from the midfield, the attackers and and the the wide players, you, you just feel like they. I mean, they're really good fun to watch. They they're clearly enjoying themselves playing there. Um, up front, Louis Barry and Brad Young have got a you know loads of goals. I think they've got fifty goals between them this season, which which says something. I think for me, I, I've seen more in Brad Young than Louis Barry. I feel like. He could potentially go on and have um, uh, look, 
whether he makes it at Villa, I don't know, but I certainly think he could go make a Football League striker. Um, Louis Barry's been played out on the left a little bit more often this season and and he did well in the semi-final, to be fair. But, um, you know, we, we're still waiting to see really what he's all about, whether he can get a, a chance in the first team at any point as well in the future. Yeah, well, will Aaron Ramsey be back? He's been injured, hasn't he? Is he going to be back for the final? Not sure. Need to check on that. I don't think so. Cause no, but, but but I will. I need to check out on that. I mean, if he is, it'll be a, a, another huge boost. But the players that have done it in the last two rounds without Aaron Ramsey have shown mm. that they can do it as well. Yeah, because as you say, midfield is fun. I think Reiki, the, the more deeper of the midfield, is very good at pressing, great range of passing. I think he's a real find as well. I think he could be a really good player, whether it be for Villa or elsewhere. I think he's been great every time I've watched him. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, they're quite a tall side as well. Swinkles and, and Bogard in defence. So, um, you know, they're quite an imposing bunch. So, yeah, I, I think they'll win. You know, I'm, I, they're obviously the favourites. And having watched them um, in the other rounds, I think they'll go and get it, get the job done. Yeah, the Greg Evans kiss of death. I look forward to watching Liverpool lift that trophy nah, on, on not Monday gonna night. No, no, no. Not going to happen. Well, the Greg Evans sale of approval. I tell you why. If, if it doesn't happen, I'm going to clip this up and put it put it up on on Twitter for everyone to see, Greg, because that is a great bit of confidence from you there. Let's finish with the the top three. I think it's the top three favourite opposition this week, isn't it, Greg? If, just before I do my three, have you got any favourites that you like Villa playing against? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Um, you know, I just I just go to each game and <laughs> take it as it is. I'll let you, the supporter, decide. Yeah, well, I've, I've picked three teams that, well, I'll go through the reasoning now, but yeah, there's there's no particular logic to why these three teams are grouped together. I've just picked these three teams for the reasons that I'm going to outline now. Three. Third is Norwich, Greg. What's felt we've got? We've got a good record against Norwich. I just felt like we beat them. Even last season, I don't think we did the double over anyone, but we did the double over Norwich, even though, even though they outplayed us at Villa Park on Boxing Day. We just we just seem to have a great record against Norwich over the years. It seems to be a team that we always beat at Villa Park, so I've, I've gone with them. Yeah, I think every time I've been to Carrow Road, I think Villa have won. So Yeah, exactly. I've got a soft spot for, for Norwich as well. I went there a little bit as a kid because my grandparents lived in Norfolk, so I used to get to go to the, the odd game and there was no Villa game and we were there. I'd go to a Norwich game, so I've got a, a little soft spot for them. Norwich and Reading, we uh, we had in as the two oh, great uh, powerhouses two, two, of English football. Yeah, two, two great football communities, Norwich <laughs> and Reading, and two excellent away days as well, Greg, as you will very well know. Second one. By the way, Norwich is the weirdest place I've ever been. Don't be nasty about Norwich, man. I've just said my grandparents used to live there. Oh, sorry. Don't be nasty about that. I've had some very strange nights out in Norwich. Yeah, there can be some strange characters, to, to be honest. But yeah, let's not talk about that. Number two. Arsenal because out of all the so-called big boys I mean they are on the way in Arsenal Villa are going to be a bigger club than Arsenal in a few years time in my, in my opinion and I'm going to keep hammering that message home I don't know what they're doing I don't know where they're going but out of all the so-called big six they're the one that when you play them you always think oh okay, we, we could take this today we, we could get a result so I like going to the Emirates as well and Villa have had a great record against Arsenal that's three, three in a row without conceding isn't it so Arsenal's a game you always look out for Historically, a, a big side, you, but you always fancy your chances because they're really weak. Pretty much, yeah. They're on the slide, aren't they? It's true, isn't <laughs> they it? They are on it's the slide. True. And it's good fun going to the Emirates. You always feel that you're, like you're at a proper stadium, don't you, when you're there? It's a yeah. big, massive stadium and it's good fun around the edges. You know, you can go and have a few drinks. I, I, I like it as an away day, to be fair. Yeah, me too. I wouldn't say a proper atmosphere, though. A bit of the prawn sandwich brocade at 
at the Emirates, in my, in my opinion. The Arsenal fans don't like, don't like to sing unless they're ahead. When we lost 3-2 the other year, you didn't hear anything of them until, we, until they were 3-2. Mm. They didn't do anything when they were losing, yeah. Arsenal for number two. Number one, Greg, I would have thought you'd better call this, to be honest. One. Got for Blues. I used to really dread those games and not look forward to them, get a little bit nervous. It was obviously a, a local derby. It means a lot to win. If you lose, it's an absolute disaster. But we are their bogey team. And that's a horrible situation to be in, to have your local rivals as a bogey team. And it always seems, however bad Birmingham City are, we're still, we're still better and we still beat them. Even when we're going through a bad moment, even that first season in the championship, horrendous, turgid, okay. awful. Don't think I enjoyed many games that season. But yet we still, Gabby came on for his only appearance of the season and we won one nil. It just, we always seem to beat them. I say, yeah, they're, they're my favourite yeah, opposition, yeah. really. Yeah, good choices, mate. Yeah, they're the, they're the three I've gone for. Any 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 contenders? I can tell you're not really that bothered by this, but any other contenders that uh, you would have thrown in there? Um, <sighs> Liverpool, quite, you know, but, you know, Villa haven't really done well against Liverpool, but, like, I mean, just on a personal note, I always look forward to watching Villa Liverpool games. I mean, there's no sort of nothing to really back that up. I just, I quite look. I just, I just enjoy seeing Villa playing against the big teams. Really, um, you know, I don't get quite as excited when they have to go to Burnley and Crystal Palace. That's fair enough. I mean, hopefully after this week, I can say that Chelsea is my favourite team to play. And as I say, can't wait for Sunday. Can't wait to see the, the fans back. It's going to be a great day and hopefully a really good game of football as well. Seeing some of the players in the flesh that we haven't seen seeing Jack Grealish cement his place in the Euros by getting through 90 minutes. I think it's going to be a good day and it's been a good pod, Greg. I've enjoyed talking to you. Thanks, mate. I've enjoyed talking to you too, pal. Yeah. Have a good have a good rest of the week and I'll no doubt see you at some point over the weekend. Thanks to all the listeners as well. Really enjoying all the contributions on, on Twitter and people getting involved and enjoying the podcast. It's, it's really great to hear and some great feedback, Greg, about the Stephen Moore podcast last week, which was nice to hear. Yeah, yeah, we, we we were quite proud of that one, weren't we? We we thought it would be well received. Stefan was a great yeah. character and um, you know very very good with his time. And um, look look look, there's a there's a big story coming out on Saturday with um, a few more um, you know household names. So look forward to that one too. Okay. Well, I don't know what that is, so that'll be a surprise to me as well. I, I sent some of the comments that the listeners gave over to us to Stefan as well, and he was really pleased with the with the feedback and pleased with the nice words. And he was just really honest about his career. It was a really fascinating listen because he was so honest. So we thank him and we thank all you guys as well for continuing to tune in. Only one thing left to say, up the villa. Athletic.